Heroes are an inspiring group of people, every one of them from the larger-than-life comic book heroes you see on the big silver screen to the everyday heroes that let us live the privileged lives we do. Every hero has a story to tell. The doctor saving lives at your local hospital, the war veteran down the street who risked his lives for our freedom, the police officers and firefighters who risk their safety to ensure ours. Every hero is special and every story worth telling, but there is one class of heroes that I think is often ignored. The entrepreneur, the creator, the producer, the ones who look at the problems in this world and think to themselves, you know what, I can fix that, I can help people, and I can make a difference. Then they go out and do exactly that by creating a new product or introducing a new service. Some go on to change the world, others make a world of difference to their customers. Welcome to The Hero Show. Join us as we pull back the masks of the world's finest heropreneurs and learn the secrets to their powers, their success, and their influence. So you can use those secrets to attract more sales, make more money, and experience more freedom in your business. I'm your host, Richard Matthews, and we are on in three, two, one. Okay, hello and welcome back to The Hero Show. My name is Richard Matthews, and I'm on the line with Arnie Chapman. Arnie, are you there? I am, yes. Awesome. So glad to have you here, Arnie. Arnie is the host of the Football History Dude podcast on iTunes, which is a show that is dedicated to the rich history of football. And I guess even more specifically, you said the almost like the ancient history of football way back in the 20s and 30s. Um, yes. Sort of what turned it into the sport it is today. Um, and this is, if I understand correctly, your first time being interviewed on a podcast, even though you host your own podcast. So pretty excited to uh, have you on today. So let's just start off right there and talk about what it is that you're known for. What is the show known for? What do you guys do? What's your uh, sort of your business strategy behind that? Yeah, so I am the football history dude. Um, the show covers the rich history of the NFL is my tagline. Take you back to the yesteryear of the gridiron. Uh, each episode, each week, we hop in my DeLorean. That's also the tagline. We get the baby up to 88 miles an hour and we go explore nice. somewhere in the past. And uh, more recently, we've really focused on the beginning of the NFL, which was in the 1920 season. September 17th, 1920 was the founding of the NFL. So this is technically the 100th season of the NFL. And it just kind of fit in nice perfectly. So we're covering all the original 14 teams of the NFL from either interviews or just solo shows covering to understand, you know, how was the NFL born and how did it get to where it is now? Awesome. So I understand from our conversation earlier that it's a, it's a fairly new show. You guys have been on, on air for about a year and a half or so. And you're just getting to the point where you're working on monetization. So like, what was the goal in starting the show? And are you looking to have it be like a, an income or maybe even become a sole income in your, in your life at some point? Like what's, what's sort of the plan? How'd that happen? Well, ultimately, yes, I would like this to be the, the primary source of income, not necessarily this particular show only. The goal is to create a network of football history podcasts, possibly even branch out into other sports. Uh, I've been toying with the idea of yesteryear media, you know, just talking about uh, bringing other guys like myself who are interested in specific passions and going back in time, learning about the history of their particular sport, their particular team, whatever it may be. And the particular for me, it's, it's, it's football. It's the NFL. That's all I really focus on. But I'd like to turn it into a point where it's a network bringing in, yes, advertising dollars and things like that, but take it further so we can bring in as far as, uh, what's it, uh, 
trying to think of what the the word would be, but just a way to be able to bring information to people about sports that they know and love now, but they have no idea how it was brought. Yeah, interesting. So what what made you uh, what made you get into this? Right, we talk uh, we talk a lot about the origin story on this show. Like every hero has their origin story. It's where you started to realize that you were different, that maybe you had superpowers and you could use them to, sh- you know, you could uh, share and impart your knowledge to the world. So how did that, how did that journey start for you where you wanted to get into this podcasting and possibly building in essentially a media company around sports? Uh, I would say my origin story actually happened a long time ago. I started a podcast around my fantasy football league, uh, maybe eight to 10 years. I don't really know the exact time when I did this. And I really enjoyed it. I thought it was pretty cool. I've always been known as the football dude, the football guy, whatever you want to say. And everybody always comes to me for advice about football fantasy lineups and things like that. And yeah, I was going to start a fantasy football podcast called the fantasy football dude a couple of years ago. Uh, as you may know, that's a flooded market. So yeah. I started researching. I, I knew I wanted to do a podcast because I had just finished my master's and I had extra time on my hands. And I knew that that's an avenue I wanted to go into. However, fantasy football was not the shtick. I looked up other ways and other possibilities, and I found out that there aren't any podcasts really about the history of the NFL, or at least on a consistent basis. So I decided to go down that avenue, and I guess deep wormhole later, I find myself at, I'm at 88, yeah, 88 episodes releases as far as next week. Awesome. And what has, uh, what, what kind of interest have you seen in a show on the history of you? Have you had a regular growth in subscribers? Yeah, it's it's been a uh, I wouldn't say a hockey stick by any means because it you know I wouldn't it, I wouldn't tell anybody that you're going to get into podcasting and you're going to be rich overnight you know like that <laughs> yeah. it's a, it's a it's a ongoing process building a you know build a fan base of rabid fans at the beginning and then from there you can build from that base you can go ahead and you can uh, branch out uh, but as far as the topic itself because it's somewhat unique in the space the I guess you can call them super fans. They really latch on. They love it. They can't wait until the next episode because of the information. And I, I, maybe because of my storytelling abilities, I like to think that, but I really, that cool information, that the golden gridiron knowledge nuggets that you can't find anywhere else at this point in time without doing research on your own. And I think that's really what they grasp onto. Interesting. So what are you your, um, your plans on the, uh, on the monetization front? Because history seems like it's a it's it's a difficult subject to turn into you know i would say like podcasters generally are going for um for like sponsorships or for selling product right so is it um along the lines of like selling information products or getting gear that people might be interested in or um is it just sponsorships what are sort of your some of your ideas a couple of them would be uh so yeah sure the whole advertising model down the road with the networking and the more you know the CPM model of having, you know, the downloads per thousand or whatever that is, that's, that's going to be part of it, but I don't think that's really where it's going to be the big model. It's going to be partnering with um, different companies such as there's one, uh, an auction site called pristine auction. I just throw that out there as an idea because they focus on memorabilia from the past. So, you know, partnering with companies that really would hit that niche Um, One thing that I'm creating is what we call football history minutes. Um, They're just one minute clips of football history. And remember the old, uh, what's the guy's name? Uh, Because of the rest of the story on the radios, I can't think of the guy's name right now. But 
Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, he, he would always come on at part of the, the beginning of the morning. He would tell you part of the story. And then it was like, well, now the rest of the story and it'd be in the afternoon. But they would always put advertisements around that. And I'm going to start off with, um, it'd be my, my dad and down in Mississippi, they have a radio station. We're going to start there to kind of proof of concept that it would actually work. They're going to purchase time on the radio, put advertisements around it on both sides, and then go from there. So I believe that we can branch that out and then get into, we have some software development ideas down the road. I mean, this is, most of that stuff's like way future state. It's not even really something that I want to uh, discuss that I'm going to be yeah, doing right yes. now. So what's, what's interesting about that is I think uh, um, a lot of people um, put the cart before the horse, so to speak. And um, in today's market, we are, you're in the business of attention, right? And you have to gather the audience, get the attention before you can make an offer and make sales, whatever that is, whether that's advertising or products or whatever it is you're putting together. Um, and I think you're doing a good job on that, that front where it's like, I'm, I'm building an audience and putting together a great product. Um, realize that, uh, that the monetization strategy is going to come after I build the audience. Yeah, that's, that's definitely true. I, am I going to get some here and there from Google AdSense and Amazon affiliates and things like that? Yeah, but no, you're right. I, I'm focusing on the audience first and then from there, then we can find ways. It really, I, okay, so you bring up a good point. The monetization strategy will come from what the audience wants after mm -hmm. I find out what they need and that kind of thing. So um, just out of curiosity, since it's not at that point yet, do you, do you have another business or another like a, you know, nine to five that you use to self fund the growth of this business? Uh, so yeah, I'm a, I'm a nine to fiver guy. I'm going back into my original story. We could dive into that if you want as to why am I an entrepreneur style? Uh, it, yeah, absolutely. I'd love to hear all, that. It all started off here. So when I was, I don't know if I was three or four or if I'm making this up, I don't know how old I was, but my mom tells me when I was a very young lad, we'll say, she said that I took my sister who was either one or two years old. I was going around the neighborhood. I, she said, I put my sister in a wagon and a bunch of toys because I was trying to sell toys to the neighborhood people. So my mom didn't have to work two jobs anymore so she could come home. And that was, she said, nice. my first business. And I don't, you know, of course, kids or people are buying from little kid because they want a, you know, cute little guy running around. But that started my entrepreneur style. I've done the whole eBay business, the Amazons. I've done all these things where I was unsuccessful, I would say, because I start, stop, start, stop. And, you know, yeah. but I learned a lot of things along the way. But to go back to the whole, how do I fund this? Yeah, nine to five. I'm a full-time you know, worker for a company. I've been there for almost 16 years now. I started off in manufacturing, then I worked up into supervision, and then I ended up going into plant management for a new facility down in the Texas area over in, in the DFW area. And um, I guess that's kind of where I go to the whole hero, superhero type of story because it kind of reminiscent of Thor. Thor is my favorite superhero. And um, remember in the first Thor movie when yeah. he kind of got stripped of his powers, he lost the hammer and all that kind of thing. Yeah. I would say that's reminiscent of when I went to be the plant manager. The, I was young. The job was too big for my britches and I wasn't prepared, even though I thought I was kind of Thor was a little cocky going into that. Yeah. And I was, um, I won't want to say I was the same way, but I was that way. And then I essentially, I failed fast. I was able to, um, be removed from that position, technically got demoted, just like he got demoted, got his powers taken away. 
And then I moved into uh, what they would call a supervisor role down there. And at that time, I was able to learn a whole lot from the plant manager that they brought in uh, as far as people skills. And I think that's where that helped here with the podcast because I really talked to a lot of people and I would help them through processes and things like that. And then um, going from there, I worked in the, the same company for a while. I mean, I'm still at the company, but now I'm in quality assurance and I'm a regional manager for there. So it's, yeah, same company throughout. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, and I'm, I'm, I, I totally resonate with the uh, entrepreneurship as a kid thing too, because when I was, uh, my first business, I was 13, I think, and I was buying, I managed to convince my dad to give me a $50 loan. Um, and my $50 loan I went and spent on, uh, on candy at the big box store. Like the, I bought like nerd ropes and the other big candy things that you couldn't get at the, lo- the, at the store or not at the store, at the, at the school. And I brought them into, uh, brought them into campus and, you know, like the quintessential guy selling fake watches under his trench coat in New York, I was like, <laughs> <laughs> sell you my wares kind of thing. Nice. Um, and I, uh, I sold probably $1,500 worth of candy before I got shut down by the government. Um, yeah. <laughs> Are you serious? You actually got shut down? I did. I got shut down because um, apparently you have to have a business license to sell food on campus um, and you know, they won't give a business license to 13 year olds. <laughs> um, so I got shut down by the powers that be, I say it's the government, but it was like, you know, whoever's in charge of the school, which is technically the, Ten, you know, yeah, well, yeah. Yeah, it's a government entity of some sort. They, uh, <laughs> they shut me down. Um, but yeah. And I remember like my first lesson, like I was like, so I spent $50 and I made a hundred. And then I had to like, um, you know, then you have to go and like pay back your loan. So I paid back mm-hmm. the loan and then I had to buy more candy, right? So I had to like replenish my stock. So I paid back the loan and bought $50 worth more candy and I had $0. And I was like, I'm really confused. Like I just, <laughs> I, I thought I made a hundred dollars and I made nothing. <laughs> right. And right, cause I didn't understand the difference between revenue and profit. Um, and like, that was my first lesson at 13 was like the difference between revenue and profit. And I was like, I'd made a hundred dollars of revenue, but $0 in profit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But um, it's an early age, like you said. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. It was a cool lesson to learn real early. Um, yeah. And I just, you know, it's been going on from there. So um, I'm curious to, to talk a little bit about your, your superpowers, right? It's what you do or build or office world that helps solves problems for people. The things that you use to, you know, slay the world's villain, so to speak, being in the entertainment space, um, I'm curious what you think your superpower is when it comes to your podcast. Um, I would say for my superpower for the podcast, the podcast specifically is just the passion that I have for football, curiosity, and just learning about things that happened and why it came to be. Um, as far as learning some things, my superpowers came from being a supervisor, a manager for so many years and working with people, you know, asking them about their stories. Uh, the first thing I would always do in the morning, and I still do, is, you know, how's things going? And I would ask them a crazy question. You know, I'd ask them the question, if you want to take my DeLorean back in time and go anywhere in point in history, you know, where would you go? And I'd like to see what they say, and then I can learn a little bit about the person. And then from there, we can have a general conversation. So I think that would be my superpower is just a general curiosity a why 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 and then actually listening to the person and and from there sparking a conversation yeah like an ability to uh to dig deeper and that kind of stuff how has that how has that uh served you in creating the uh the content for your show um i would say that 
the few interviews that I've had, so now I've had, I've performed five interviews with other guests. A lot of the other episodes are solo shows, but when I have those interviews at the end of them, each guest has said, man, you had a good way of transitioning from topic to topic. And you asked me questions that I've never been asked before. So then I can draw out the stories that they haven't told or they've wanted to tell, or they haven't told since they were, you know, back at Christmas parties back in the day or something like that. So unique type stories, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, um, a important skill, especially if you're doing the interviewing stuff, learning how to, uh, how to dig deeper and get good questions out of people. And so, you, you know, since we both sort of do that, it's a, um, it's something you have to practice and get good at. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely a good skill to have if you're in this space or if you're interested in starting a podcast, realize that part of that process is learning how to be a good interview and be interested, interviewer and be interested in the stories that people are telling and where those lead. Yeah, and I would say that, you know, for any advice, if anyone's starting a podcast, just have conversations on a daily basis. I was fortunate enough as a manager, supervisor, that's what I do. I mean, that, that's most of my day is talking to people. And if I didn't have that, then I would have a real hard time. I think when I'm having interviews, I still get nervous every time. I mean, I mean, I'm ner- I was nervous right now starting this, you know, my first time ever being interviewed. And it's just because I had that experience, the muscle memory, you always fall back to the level of your training or your experiences. And the same thing goes with, you know, wh- whether I'm having a podcast interview or if I'm calling a customer on the phone and I know I'm about to deliver some bad news. Instead of going into it, sure, I may be nervous, but because I've had experiences, and I think even now having this podcast, because I've put myself out there publicly, it's really helped me even in my work life too, because of just the communication skills or even the whole, you know what, it, the fear of the unknown, you know how it is when you, the imposter yeah. syndrome and you're like, well, if I'm going to go and I'm going to talk to somebody because the current job I've been now, I've been in there for about a year, but I have, I had no clue about how roofing works i was in the manufacturing side of things and now it's like okay i don't know what i'm doing all the time but at least i can come to it with the power i guess a a point of um if i don't it's okay yet i don't know you know i guess that's really what it is it's okay <laughs> yeah. because i just tell the person i'll get back to them and as long as i get back to them and i i hold to my say do ratio then i think i'm gonna be okay yeah and i i like the uh the the idea of um you know, like dealing with your nerves and realizing you're going to fall back on your training and stuff like that. My, uh, my secret, so to speak, for dealing with the nerves, because right, I, I speak on podcasts regularly, obviously, and I also do webinars in front of lots of people. And I have training from a um, Bible college, and I've preached a couple of times. And the, uh, the secret that I've always used for dealing with those nerves is uh, um, something one of my Bible college professors taught us. And it was the idea that it doesn't matter who you're speaking to or in what situation, you're always speaking just to an individual, right? And you know how to speak to individuals. You know how to be one-on-one in a room with someone and talk to them because um, it's something you've done since a, your childhood and everyone's got that skill. Um, and it's just learning how to sort of apply that skill to different situations, whether it's in you know, a podcast interview or standing on a stage. Um, and you know, I was always like, well, how can you apply that to standing on a stage? There's a thousand people out there and there's you. And um, I remember he made the class do an exercise where you'd stand up in front of the class. And if you asked the whole class, um, you know, he said, basically what you want to do is I want you to ask the whole class, class a question, but look at one particular individual when you ask the question, right? And then ask the class who you asked the question to. And the person you looked at in a whole circle of people around them will all raise their hand and be like, you looked at me and asked ah. that question, right? 
but if you do the repeat the repeat the exercise and you ask the question to the class but you don't look at anyone you look between people and you ask the class who did I ask the question to no one will raise their hand right so mm. you're always speaking to an individual um right because um you know and it's just a, it's a skill set you can uh, you can come back to that's really good advice because i'll tell you i even though i'm getting better the public speaking is still something that nerve-wracking i mean uh, even as simple as i used to give daily talks as a supervisor to like seven or eight people and i would be like shaking in my boots and now maybe that's not so bad but i mean if i'm getting in front of 30 40 people that's like uh you know yeah uh, that's i like yeah, that. I, remember, I remember uh like the, the hardest speech I've ever given um, was my, um, I did the eulogy at my grandmother's funeral. Um, and, you know, she was like, she was like an angel sent down from heaven. And like when she had her funeral, um, like 600 people showed up, um, which is a lot of people for, <laughs> yeah. um, and, and so I'm at the, the in front and I've got to give the eulogy and, you know, I, I was probably closer to her than anyone else in her family, um, in the family, which is why I was given the eulogy. Um, but I, I, you know, so it was already, it was already tough because of the situation it's in, but I'm also in front of 600 people. And I remember like the only way I could get through it, I was like, there was one person sitting in the front row um, that was just paying really good attention to me. And I just, I, I gave the eulogy to that one individual. <laughs> and then it just um, went through or I mean, yeah, it just went through. I was able to like, I was able to, uh, to just, you know, to actually, perform the way I needed to perform in that situation because, you know, I was nervous and I was, um, you know, emotional and other things that are, you know, just all stacked together. Plus you're in a room full of 600 people, half of whom you've never met before. And they're all expecting you to like, to, to give them closure for this person. Right. And, and so it was like, it was just really stressful situation. And I remember thinking, I was like, I had to go right back to my training from Bible college. And it was like, just pick someone in the audience and give your message to that person. And that's it. Just like you're sitting in a room across the, you know, sitting across the coffee table with them. And I had to really use, <laughs> use all those techniques um, at that point. And it's been really, you know, it's, it, everything else has been easier than that. So. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, that's something that I, uh, I hope to in the future, you know, going back to the, I guess the beginning, I would love to create a, uh, conference, convention, what, what have you for, you know, the history of the NFL. And I, that's something that when I, I think about that, I go, holy crap, that means I got to get on stage. I got to, I got to be the one that does this CMC. And so, yeah, it's something that I, uh, I appreciate that as an advice. And go, can I go back and ask you about Bible college a little yeah, bit? Absolutely. I have one question. So I saw that the reason why you initially went into it was to learn how to read and write ancient Greek. Was that something that's a true statement? It was, it was. I, uh, I put, I, um, in high school, um, I had gone through a couple of summers doing um, some in-depth Bible studies with a couple of professors at a local Bible college. Um, they had put on like a, a summer Bible camp kind of thing for more advanced stuff. And I realized that um, one of the uh, most important things in understanding scripture was understanding the author's intended meaning right, which is a, uh, it's a, it's a hard concept to get, and like, we, we even struggle with that politically today. People are like, like, no, the Constitution means what I want it to mean. I'm like, no, it means what the original authors meant it to mean. Like, that's the way, <laughs> way you're supposed uh -huh. to interpret ancient documents, which I assume as a, as a uh, study of history, um, a studier of history, you understand that concept that you're, mm -hmm. you have to really look at 
what the people were doing at that time and the situation they were in, the language they were speaking and the, the um, culture they were in. And for me, I wanted to understand, you know, the, I guess it's almost a selfish thing, right? You know, I wanted to understand this person that I claimed to worship better, might as well actually like learn the, uh, um, learn the, the language and the culture and whatnot that it was in. So I went to a Bible college that offered um, studies in ancient Greek and ancient Hebrew um, and took a couple of years of each of those. And, you know, I learned a whole bunch of other things while I was there, but that was like the thing I wanted to get out of it. And as luck would have it, my professor in Bible college um, who taught ancient Greek, um, his name was Dr. Dull, and he was probably the coolest guy in the world. But, um, you know, true to his name, he was completely monotone. Like <laughs> never once did he ever have a vocal intonation that changed from like <laughs> the straight middle of the line thing, um, which was funny because, you know, we get a lot of our interactions with people based on vocal intonations and he had none, uh, but he was super smart and super funny. And you could always, you could like rank the intelligence of the people in the room by like when he would say a joke, like how long it took them to laugh. <laughs> You're right. Yeah. Because <laughs> everyone has to think about it because um, there was no indications that what he said was funny, right? There's no other body language or vocal intonations. You just have to understand what he said. And he was one of those guys that uh, he worked for the CIA um, doing translations of ancient scripts and stuff like that. And he was fluent in ancient Sanskrit, ancient Greek, ancient Hebrew, ancient Arabic, ancient Aramaic, um, as well as German, Spanish, English, Italian, um, and a few other languages. And he knew, like, he had the, uh, the level of knowledge is like, he, we would be talking about the word milk in Greek. And he was like, okay, so here's the funny thing about milk. He's like, in 600 and, you know, 30,000 AD or whatever the hell it is. And he's like, the culture, they used the word this way. But then when sheep started doing this thing, then they changed the word and the word had like, he knew more about the history of the one word and how it like changed over the course of, of time than like, I know about everything in my life. <laughs> <laughs> and, and he knew that for like every single word there was. And I was like, I, you know, I didn't, I wasn't even aware that you could have etymology that was 6,000 years long and actually know all of it. Um, so it was super fascinating to learn from a gentleman like that. Um, I counted myself very lucky to be able to sit under his tutelage. Um, so anyways, learned a whole bunch. And uh, um, I actually dropped out of college when I figured I had enough information on what I wanted to learn there because I wasn't, I wasn't intending to go to a Bible college to get a, you know, to get a job in the ministry. I was going because I specifically wanted to learn that skill. Um, and started my business after college. So yeah, that's, that is true. <laughs> huh. do, you, do you still speak, write, can you in ancient Greek or? Um, so I can read the Greek, the Hebrew, I cannot read um, as well because it uses a different script. And unless you practice it regularly, um, it goes away. Um, mm -hmm. It probably wouldn't take long to get it back. Um, and the other thing is they also don't have vowels. Um, so they, I mean, they do, but they don't show on the script. Like you have to just know where they go. Um, so if you don't, if you don't, uh, if you don't practice it, it's, uh, it's difficult to keep. Greek is a lot easier um, as long as you just remember the, uh, the sounds the alphabet makes, you can read it, um, which means I can, so my, my knowledge level is not like fluent. It's like I can look at a Greek word and pick up a Greek lexicon and actually like go through it and figure out what it means and that kind of stuff. So like I have the basic skill set to, to like look things up and, and use it and be able to, to see that kind of stuff. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I, uh, now this is nothing to do with it, but, uh, I always joke and I mean, I'm, we'll call it 72% serious that I'd love to learn, uh, Japanese so I could watch the original Godzilla the way it was intended to be. 
Yeah, that would be excellent. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be my, take a while, long time just for that, but my understanding is that Japanese is very difficult. <laughs> oh, thanks for uh, ruining my spirits there, but uh, we'll work no, on it. No, you can totally do it. What's his name? <laughs> if you if you're interested, um, guy uh, Tim Ferriss. If you haven't, mm -hmm. if you've read any of his stuff, yep. Um, his book on meta learning, which I can't I can't remember which book that is. Um, might be the Four Hour Body. That's about meta learning. Um, or no, it's the uh, Four Hour Cookbook. Yeah, at the back of the four hour cookbook, he has a whole section on learning Japanese in six weeks. Oh, okay, then I guess I know where I'm heading. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, yeah, the four hour chef is that book. And he has a section on there. And it's about how to learn any language in six weeks. Um, it actually goes through like how like there's, there's um, basically, he, he like reverse engineered language. And there's like, six sentence structures and six grammar structures and six of these other structures and like 130 words that pretty much make up like 80% of language. And hmm. if you can master those, you can master those very quickly and you can get to conversational fluency very, very quickly. Um, but, you know, it's not, you know, not being a native speaker, you'll never be a master um, at a second language, but you can be conversationally fluent very quick. Sure, sure. So anyways, <laughs> resources. Yeah, uh, exactly. So, so back to our, our conversation on your story, um, I want to talk a little bit about your fatal flaw, right? Just like Superman has his kryptonite or Batman's not actually a superhero. He just has to work really hard into things to do. What do you think is something that you've had to deal with that has held back your, either your podcast or your business growth or any things that you've been working on in your life? It was tough to choose one. Because, you know, we could always, it's easy Probably for us have. to always, yeah, it's easy for us to look at like, oh, I suck at this. I'm not good at this. I'm not good at that. But then I, th for me, I would say it's worrying about finances. So even go back to our point of, you know, am I monetizing this or how am I going to monetize it? When I start worrying about monetizing and just finances in general, then it clouds my judgment. It clouds my decision-making and I don't get stuff done. So I, I would say that if I could just not worry about finances, then life would be gravy and I would just keep rolling on. So I, that's going to be yeah. my fatal flaw. That's it's, it's an interesting thing too. Cause it's like, you want to have to not worry. Like you have to not worry about it in order to do good work, but you also have to worry about it at some point so that your, your <laughs> yeah. work's going somewhere, right. It's doing the thing you exactly. want it to do. Um, so it's like a catch 22. Sure, um, sure, so, yeah. so how have you been managing that? Um, you know, it, I, when I, as far as the finances go, you know, you, and not worrying about it, I make sure that I put it in order as far as what needs to be done. And then I focus on, um, for the, the business podcast portion is the strategy because, uh, going back to another fatal flaw would be just shooting from the hip, following the shiny object, just going every which way, as opposed to in doing busy work, uh, working in the podcast instead of working on the podcast, which is why I wanted, I reached out to you. I wanted to be promoting myself more and promoting the shows to reach out the, out, the outlook. So every week I use the, you know, the planner method, you could say kind of like the one thing or the, you know, I use the top three I look at and I, I focus on the projects I have to work on. And then I create every single day. I focus, I, I write down the goals that I want to remember my one thing I need to do. And then I have the little list, you know, of course the, the action items that I will get to, but I always focus on one thing is the most important. Today, my one thing is let's record an episode with you. <laughs> nice. It's a good thing. I like that because <laughs> um, I always like having guests on my show. So 
This question, I think, will be a little bit interesting because most, most of my clients are not in the media space. They're generally in the delivering product or delivering service to customers. Um, so we talk about your common enemy. And common enemy is, um, the way we generally talk about it is if you could remove one thing from your client's life that you think is holding them back. But in your space, your clients, your listeners, are, um, are people who are interested in the history of football. Right? So I'm just curious, if you could, what is one of the things that you think your clients are either struggling with or fighting with that they're coming to listen to your show to sort of help deal with? Is it just entertainment or are they just really interested in the knowledge? What do you think some of the things your, your clients are thinking about when they're like, you know what I'm going to do today is I need to go listen to an episode of, of back, to the, uh, back to the Future football style? <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, that's a unique because the, I guess the problem that I am solving would be learning about the history of the NFL and that's the majority of the fans but I think going even further it's really they're looking for the story aspect of it because anybody can just listen and learn about they can read just like a, I guess a history book you know reading a textbook for school and then you know waking up five hours later after you fell asleep because of it was so boring and it was monotone like your previous yeah. professor but I, th I think they come for the entertainment value of being whisked away in the DeLorean, you know, in the theater of the mind and to really truly be plopped in that situation to be able to say, man, it was so cool to think about back then because every episode I always start off by some kind of event that happened. Like if we're going back to 1920, I would bring up an event that's not even related to football to try to give almost an idea of what was going on at that time. And then we tied in a football and then we kind of close out the show. So I would say that in a long way of <laughs> the escape from reality and learning about the history. Yeah. So I think what's really interesting about that, um, and I think you, you caught it a little bit and you said they're, they're interested in the stories. And one of the things that uh, I, I tell all the time to my, my students and my clients and my kids is that we're a story born people, right? And your, um, your stories are how you, learn things it's how you educate it's how we it's how we judge the depth of a relationship right? I, I used to uh, um, and i still tell tell my kids this is that the uh, the difference between a um like a, an acquaintance is someone whose like name you know but whose story you don't and a friend might be someone whose name you know and whose story you know and like a best friend a best friend is someone who you guys have shared all your stories with each other so the only way to continue deepening the relationship is to go out and create new stories together, right? And oh, yeah, so, that's a good way to put it. Yeah, so we, we judge the depth of relationships based on stories. And when it comes to teaching, you know, anything that you're teaching someone, right, is just data. And, you know, we, I like to think of, you know, data like nails and stories are like the hammer that drive them home, right? Without the stories, people aren't going to be able to grasp on and hold those things. Um, so you're using, you're using stories as a way to both teach history, um, and to entertain people, which I think is a, a really powerful thing. Yeah, it's, uh, it's been fun so far. <laughs> <laughs> cool. So, um, I want to talk a little bit about your, you know, some practical, practical things, right? I have the thing I call the, uh, hero's tool belt, which, you know, maybe you have a big magical hammer like Thor or bulletproof vest, like your neighborhood police officer. Maybe just really love how Evernote helps you organize your thoughts. I'm curious, what are some of the uh, practical tools you use to manage your podcast? Things that you know you couldn't live without. You know, maybe it's your schedule or, or you know, the team you have doing production stuff. What are some of the practical tools you use to make your podcast reality? Uh, or maybe it's sure. just really cool, like mic mic setup you have going. <laughs> oh no! I mean, if I were to uh, let's, I 
I would mess it up. But no, this is my computer's currently sitting on a cat tree in our bedroom. So I wouldn't say that it's any uh, magical tool set. But uh, as far as my team, you know, my wife does all the editing for me. So I really appreciate that. She does a really good job for it. If, if she didn't spend that time, then I would have even less time to work on the show. As far as the tools I use, other than the, you know, the fancy, it's not really that fancy of a equipment, but I use the Audacity program for recording and editing, what my wife does. Then I have a website host slash media host called podcastwebsites.com. And they're kind of like a unique thing where it's a WordPress site and it's also the hosting at the same time. It's all unlimited and they're, they're a really cool group of people to work with. So if anybody's interested, I, I recommend using them. Um, for me, it's beneficial because I don't code. I, I don't know any of that, that type of stuff. I can drag and drop and just type in things. I use the, I don't know, just super basic stuff, Excel spreadsheet to keep track of what episodes are going to come up in one note and you know, like nothing fancy, man. I'm like, a, I guess a little old school when it comes to that. No, I love, I love the idea of using Excel spreadsheets to track things. I am a, I am a huge fan of the, uh, the spreadsheet. I use Google Docs for my spreadsheets because I have to share them with team members and whatnot, but same kind of thing. Lots of formulas and keeping track of things in there. Really useful um, for, for that kind of stuff. What, would you say, what did you say the name of the podcast site was? We'll stick it in the resources for people who might be interested. Well, I would say two then because they're, they're launching a new one. It's called podcastwebsites.com. And then it's also actually run by Captivate. Okay, interesting. Yeah, so we'll we'll check those out and put them in the resources for people who are listening. The usual will be right back. Are you tired of trying to write webinars that don't consistently convert? How would you like to have a webinar that effortlessly created sales in your online business? You can. Introducing the Webinar Alchemy Workshop. Webinar Alchemy Workshop is an online masterclass that will help you write incredibly persuasive webinars for your online courses quickly and easily. Using what you learn in this class, you can build a webinar that educates your entire audience while still creating sales. For a limited time, you can purchase this masterclass for only $7, and you'll get the exact framework I've personally used to help my clients sell more than a million dollars worth of online coaching and training just over the last year. Simply text the word ALCHEMY, A-L-C-H-E-M-Y, to 444-999, and I'll send you all the details. The music is by Purple Planet Music. Visit www.purple-planet.com. Back to the show. Um, so next thing I want to ask you about, though, is your, your own personal heroes, right? So Frodo had Gandalf, Luke had Obi-Wan, Robert Kiyosaki had his rich dad. Who are some of your heroes? Were they real-life mentors, speakers, or authors, peers who were just a couple of years ahead of you? And how important were they to uh, what you've accomplished so far, either in your personal life um, or here with getting your show off the ground? Yeah, it, this is another one of those questions where um, I, could, I could talk to you for days because I couldn't really pick one. But then for some reason, my grandpa on my mom's side stuck in my mind and there's been time he's since passed away uh he owned his own business my entire life and the business that he owned was this little model it's like a little miniature railroad where you actually can drive it but it was like a little park and everything and then they'd have a lot of other family picnic type stuff so we were always there and when i grew up and before he passed away i didn't really appreciate it but i realized later in life he did exactly what I wanted, what I want to do. He was passionate about trains and he owned a business and that's all he did. I'm passionate about football and I want to own a business and that's all I want to do. So I didn't realize it back then, but like, that's the guy I want to be. So I wish I would have, when he was, 
around. I wish I would have asked some more questions about stuff like that. And I really didn't. So that'd be one as far as a personal hero. As far as the podcasting space, there's they're called the fantasy footballers. They're another they're they were software engineers, they owned a company, and then they moved into creating a show about fantasy football. I mean, what seriously, that's all they talk about is fantasy football, like the dream, the life, and now they're touring around the nation and things like that. So that would be one of my podcasting. Exactly. I mean, it's just crazy to think that the power and the medium of a podcast and other types of internet based applications and you can like you yourself, you're traveling around the nation. And I mean, just super cool to me to be able to think that, which speaking of that, Pat Flynn from, from long days ago, he's always been a hero of mine for this type of thing. Um, Storytelling, Dan Carlin. I don't know if you've ever heard of hardcore yeah. history. All right. So I try to, emulate I've heard of, a little I've heard of uh, Dan Carlin. I haven't listened to it, but I've, I've heard of it. If you like history, if you like anything revolving around military history, I tell everybody out there, you're doing yourself a disservice not to listen to him because holy moly, he tells the stories like nobody's business. <laughs> That's so. awesome. Yeah. And it is, it is definitely crazy. The kind of stuff that we can, I don't know. I almost feel like we, we get away with it today. Right. Like, like the, the, the life and businesses that we can lead and run that just weren't a possibility 10, 15 years ago. Um, and it's super cool. Like, you know, who would have thought that you could run a successful business that replaces a couple of software engineering jobs talking about fantasy football. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, and I know yeah. they're making more now than they ever did, but that's not even the reason why they do it. They're yeah. always able to work their lives around their children. And that's what I want to do too. That's my ultimate, you know, win or my goal is just to be able to take my daughter to school, go to the gym, come home, work on my show, go pick her up. I, you know, just that kind of thing. Yeah. And if you, uh, if you think about it, we, every business you're, that you could possibly be in, you're in the business of attention, right? We're all in the business of gathering attention and, um, and then, you know, using that attention to help solve people's problems. And podcasting is a, is, you know, one of the fastest growing, mediums on the planet um and i believe just last year i think it overtook radio listening in uh Mm. um in the car which is insane and it's still growing like radio listenership isn't growing but podcasting is um and so it's definitely a a great way to uh to to grow and build an audience and keep holding people's attention that's why we're doing it right that's why i'm recording my (laughs) show while you're recording your show just different uh different topics but yeah it's super fun and um, you know, I, I tell people ask me all the time, like, why are you growing a podcast? And I'm like, honestly, the reason I'm building a podcast is because I get to talk to cool people, you know, whether or not it builds an audience or does cool things for my business is sort of like secondary. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that's, uh, it's definitely fun. So what I want to do is just sort of bring it home for our listeners and talk about your guiding principles, right? Top one or two principles or actions that you use regularly today that you think contribute to, the success and growth of your, of your podcast, maybe something you wish you'd known when you first started out and recorded your first episode. Oh, if you're going to take it there, um, I would say the, before recording my first episode, the guiding principle that I knew was something that I listened to. And I, I like to tell this because there's a guy, another hero, Jocko Willink. He has a podcast himself. He's an ex Navy CEO, like Supreme commander. I don't know what their titles are but I listened to his show and I heard somebody Supreme talk Commander. to him. Yeah. I don't, I'm not sure what his <laughs> title is in the Navy. I know I'm doing that a disservice as well, but the guy is extremely intelligent. He is super uh, motivating. And 
I just remember an episode where he was talking to his co-host and the co-host just kept complaining about not being able to do something. His, ma- his mantra is discipline equals freedom. And the guy kept mm-hmm. saying, you know, I don't I forgot what it was. He kept complaining. Well, I can't do this because of this. I can't. And the guy and Jacko just kept saying, you do it or you don't like those simple words, you do it or you don't. And that was about the time where I started getting into back to working out and things like that. And I, I set my alarm for 4:46 AM every single day. And I would have those words go through my head. You do it or you don't. It's like, I'm either going to wake up or I'm not. I'm going to go to the gym or I'm not. I'm going to start my podcast or I'm not. I'm going to record or not. So it was just like, just the simple things that just, you do it or you don't. And I just, that, I guess that's a mantra rally cry that I could use. And I wish I would have had that at the beginning because there's a lot of times when I was going to start a podcast or start another thing. And I never did because I didn't and said I should have done. So yeah, I guess I would say that's my <laughs> guiding force. Do it or yeah. you don't. <laughs> I, uh, I actually, I've, I've heard that multiple times in different ways from different people on the show. Um, and I think it comes back to um, this idea that, um, that particularly the, uh, the discipline equals freedom part, right? Um, and, and that is the, um, how many people talk about their calendar? Their, you know, having a strict calendar has set them free, which mm-hmm. is, you know, um, it's, it's in that same vein, if you're just going to do it. Right. And, and, um, I find it really interesting because I've noticed the same thing in my business is that when you just like set up your life, um, that it's like, Hey, I'm working on this thing at this time. It's on the calendar and it's just going to happen. It's, it frees you up to not think about that until that time. Right. And if your calendar, like everything on, like my calendar is all the way down to like, I've got my family time on my calendar because I know if it's on the calendar, then it's like, I can be all the way there. Right. I, I can be all the way in and um, I don't have to, to split my focus or worry about other things that I didn't do because, you know, discipline equals freedom essentially. Mm-hmm. So I think oh, yeah. it's super fascinating. <laughs> I definitely um, am not all the way there by any means. I'm going back to my Thor character when he, after uh, Endgame, when he was Melted Ice Cream Thor, I've gotten back yeah. to Melted Ice Cream Thor myself, but I need to do it or I don't and get back to the gym and discipline equals freedom. So uh, I'm probably uh, that way too. I'm definitely not all the way there in my business, but one of these <laughs> days, one of these days we'll be snapping our fingers and saying, I am Iron Man, right? Exactly. Yes. <laughs> uh, thank you for bringing that back home. <laughs> oh man. The, uh, that, that scene in that movie was gut-wrenching and you're I was surprised how, um, what do you call it, how bought into that character you were, or at least I was. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're like, man, I can't believe they made, they made a scene like this as emotional as they did um, over a superhero, which is, I think, super cool. Anyways, they did a good job. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah, that entire series. I mean, I, I can't even explain how excited I was for it. Actually, because I was so excited and the anticipation after Infinity War and waiting so long, I was actually let down by the movie the first time I saw it because of my internal anticipation. The second time I saw it, I was like, just, it was amazing. Like Captain America going, uh, you know, the first time ever saying Avengers assemble. And it's just like, Oh, so you're like, that's what you wanted. You wanted it so bad. And I remember, um, I think probably for me, the most gut wrenching scene was, uh, um, when black widow, um, sacrificed herself to, uh, to save, Mm -hmm. um, to save black or, you know, uh, Hawkeye. And, and I was like, I, I teared up. And I was like, I can't believe I teared up at a superhero movie. Um, I blame it on being a parent. Um, mm-hmm. Being a parent makes you tear up a lot of things you wouldn't have teared up before. 
So um, that's a, that's how I get away with it. It's I'm, I'm nah, a dad. It's okay. Don't worry, man. <laughs> hey, I've been emotional my entire life. I've always been known for the guy that would tear up. And I let's go back then. I'm changing yeah. my answer. My superpower is my empathy and my willingness to show my emotions and cry with people. And I've always been the guy that would say, I don't care if you have to verbally abuse me. I don't care. I tell my, my texts, call me and complain to me, yell at me, swear at me. I don't care. And I guess that will be my superpower. I'm willing to absorb all of their, uh, their uh, what's it called? Raw emotion. We'll just say that. Yeah, I have, uh, I have three daughters. Um, so I've gotten really good at that. Mm. Um, they have, uh, they have, they have a lot of emotions that are too big for their tiny little bodies. Mm -hmm. Um, and for whatever reason, um, those emotions piss my wife off because she's a girl and she's like, they just need to get over that. <laughs> and I'm like, I'll just hold them in my lap and let them cry on my shoulder. I'm like, it's okay. Just cry. And after like 20 minutes of them crying on my shoulder, they're all better. And she's right. like, I don't know how you do that. I just want to wring their necks. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> just, just gotta let them cry. <laughs> Last thing I wanted uh, that I do on this show is a real simple thing. It's called the Heroes Challenge, and it's pretty simple. Um, it's basically this. Do you have someone in your life or in your network that you think has a cool entrepreneurial story? Who are they? First names are fine, and why do you think they should come share their story on our show? I'm going to say that the guy I think you should interview would be Charles. I would also call him one of my mentors. He also is um, an evangelist for Christ. He was the guy who helped guide me through my supervision at the beginning and teaching me a lot of things. But the reason why, as far as entrepreneurial, is he takes everything that he believes and he's built like, you know, he's, he's had books and all these other things, but the way that he tells stories and his passion, he makes you believe even if you're not, no matter what it is. I just, I don't, I think he, he doesn't do this, but he, I told him he needs to start a podcast. He needs to be a public speaker. He does a lot of these public speakings, but he's the one that officiated my wedding. And the reason why I chose him was just because I knew that there was some kind of connection there and he was the one that was channeling everything. So I would say that'd be the guy. Awesome. So that basically brings us to the end of our show. We'll go ahead and connect about um, getting him on the show afterwards. Um, but what I want to do is I want to find out from you where people can find you, listen to your show, um, maybe your website, that kind of stuff. And who are the type of people that would be interested in listening to your show? So you can hit the show up at any podcast player. It's called The Football History Dude. And it's a show about the rich history of the NFL. If you like football, the NFL, and if you're curious about learning about the yesteryear of the gridiron and you just want to know how it was built or just want to cool stories about how it was back in the 1920s, 30s, and 40s for the most part that you want to go over to thefootballhistorydude.com. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on this show, Arnie. I really appreciate it. It's been a wonderful conversation. Um, any final words of wisdom for our audience before we uh, hit the done record button here? Other than the whole, you know, you do it or you don't, I just wanted to thank you personally for letting me come on and just have my first interview ever. It was very fun. Thank you. Oh, awesome. Thank you for coming on the show. Really appreciate it. Um, and so if you're listening to the show and you like football, you're interested in football, or you like stories and history, hit up the uh, the Football History Dude um, podcast, probably uh, iTunes or Google Play Store, a good place to go find those. And thank you for coming on the show, Arnie. Really appreciate it. Thank you. I appreciate it as well.